Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Jim Asker on the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast here tonight with Carly Pierce. Hello, Carly. Hi. Thank you for coming. And the VP promotion from Big Machine Records, Carly's label, the one and only Chris Lamb. And we're live on location tonight from the Good Cup in Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. So this is a first. And Carly, I I appreciate you being... Not a guinea pig. I wouldn't use that phrase. But what would test case? I'll be a guinea pig. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad to have you. Thank I, you. And Chris, so Chris, by the way, for everybody who's listened, and, and Billboard users from all genres listen into these. So I like to make it so anybody could figure out what we're talking about, not make it too inside. And um, Chris is the one who takes the songs and gets them up the charts at radio. And for for anybody who's not aware of this country, radio is still the major platform to discover music, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just want to go over a little bit when you, and we've got a lot to talk about, um, but when you first came to Big Machine, tell us, I know that Sirius XM was playing were they playing every little thing right before you guys got it? Yes. I was um, what they call a highway find on Sirius XM, but very quickly uh, Big Machine came in. Okay. Chris, tell us how that went. Oh, Carly actually has an excellent story just about her uh, relationship with uh, Sirius XM and the highway and specifically about J.R. Schumann and kind of how he popularized uh, the song from the very beginning by by uh, making Carly a highway find. But what I will tell you, my experience uh, with Carly originally started from J.R. Schumann. I was at the Keith Urban concert. J.R., who's the programmer of the highway. Yeah, he's the director of programming for for all the uh, country brands uh, and Christian brands at, at Sirius XM. But we were at a Keith Urban show at Bridgestone, and he's like, yo, man, dude, you, you got to you gotta come up to my office and check this out. And, and so I, I was like, absolutely. I would, I would love to check this out. So I, I rolled upstairs, and he played me four tracks from Carly, and I immediately, at that moment, reached out to Allison Jones, our senior vice president of A&R at Big Machine Label Group, 
who obviously had already known Carly. She's like, yeah, thanks, Chris, for finally joining the party because I was obviously the last one to know at Big Machine. Um, and it was immediately after that that Scott was at the Grand Ole Opry with Carly and, and Allison was there. And uh, obviously Carly can tell it much better than what I can, but, um, but that's how it kind of all started. Okay, so did you immediately go out and start visiting radio stations? I mean, I think I have a unique story. Um, <laughs> Tell us a little bit of yeah, it, you because you do. You, yeah. you had already played the Opry a zillion times by the time you got to Big Machine, right? Right, and I think that for me, I moved to Nashville 10 years ago this year. and um, So that's true, that whole 10-year... 10 10-year 10 overnight success. Uh, so at this point, I guess I was at eight years. And I had worked on music with my producer, Busby, and, and kind of started this... Um, I guess train of the every little thing coming out independently and it was selling so many units so quickly as an independent artist. I was top 10 on the iTunes chart and had a lot of people coming in and seeing the metrics of the song just from satellite radio and that and just the impact of that and Mm -hmm. when I signed my deal it was like three weeks after every little thing had hit the highway. I mean that's how quickly it happened and I mean it was Christmas time, so I had Christmas off, and then literally at the end of January, it was out the door. Um, so I was out the door on my radio tour within a month. Yeah. Because of seeing just the the uh, push of every little thing and just the, the buzz that it had. Every little thing, I remember every little thing, the high, the hurt, the shine, the sting. We realized we needed to move fast, and, and I'll be I'll be honest with you. That was a, that was a focus of some robust dialogue within BMLG. There were people within the organization that said, "No, you know, maybe we should step back for a second and let this bake, and, and then run as quickly as possible." You know, later on the year. But we were like, "No, there's an opportunity right now," and and that was one of the things that Scott Borchetta was was so uh, hyper focused on is that we've got this unique opportunity at this moment. So let's you know, get her out there and let's start seeding it with terrestrial radio. So I thought you were going to go and say that uh, your unique story was the fact that we made you go to every radio station <laughs> in the state of Kentucky because it's a Carly's from setup. Kentucky. Carly from Kentucky. So we're like, dude, let's go hit every radio station in Kentucky, whether they're a reporter or a secondary station. And we visited, uh, we visited some fun places. So my idea of radio tour quickly was very skewed because I was like, wait a minute, I'm going and visiting these these radio stations so that you are hit everybody. Yeah. Like, like gravel roads back into the backyard. Like Loretta of somebody's. And, uh, yeah. Double was, wide trailers. Coal miners daughter. Yeah. It was, I hit everything, but I, I feel like I got such a crash crash course in the state of Kentucky of just what that was. Cause I was still so shocked that it was happening. I was still trying to, in my head, deal with the fact, Oh my gosh, wait a minute. Is it, do I actually have a, ch- wait, I have a record deal. Wait, what this, I'm out on radio tour. So you just like hit the floor running. Yeah. And I had no time to process that. I finally was getting a shot. Okay. So I just want to ask though, really quick. And now Chris, I want you to explain what a radio tour is in a second, but coming with a ballad first, I know it was doing well on the highway, but was Scott, who's the owner of big machine label group or anybody there saying, whoa, 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 wait, 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 let's come up with something up tempo first. Did anybody say that or no? Not from my recollection. I mean, we 
there's a there's a famous saying from a from a guy that I used to work with is sometimes you need to listen with your eyes and not your ears and you can see the metrics immediately begin to take off uh, when when we started to get that placement on the highway. But I will say though that the success of every little thing is truly a culmination of a lot of different people that that believed in this particular song and that of course still believe in Carly. And the reason I say that is because when talking about that radio tour in Kentucky, there's there's another gentleman, uh, Michael Jordan, who runs uh, the Lexington and Louisville. Not the basketball player. <laughs> Not the basketball player, but he's a fan too. Um, but that was that was very uh, important for us in, in how we were able to achieve another massive platform, which was iHeart's On the Verge. So when you when you step back and you look at the thirty thousand foot perspective of the of the uh, the single strategy with this song and how it went from a highway find and then moved into a uh, Cox plugged in initiative across all of Cox country stations. And Chris has thrown around all these names. iHeartMedia is a chain that owns a bunch of radio stations. They're on the verge program means they're going to get behind something and really play it a lot, right? And then Cox is another company that owns a bunch of stations. And we had Cumulus Media, obviously uh, one of the, the biggest broadcast companies in the country, also uh, kind of anointed Carly as as uh, an initiative. So it was this beautiful culmination of all of this support that she had generated from being out on the road on radio tour um, that was able to help us get to number one on a bout in the summertime from a debut female artist. That's amazing. And Carly, when... When Chris mentioned reporting stations, those are like on the billboard panel, we have 150 stations make up the billboard panel of stations. Those are the only ones that all their data goes into our airplay chart, which is an audience based chart, which means like if WSIX, the big 98 plays a song at 10 a.m. here in Nashville, they play every little thing. The people listening at that time measured by Nielsen, our partner, um, it goes in those points. And you know this because you're kind of a chart watcher, aren't you? A charred hawk. (laughs) (laughs) That must drive you crazy sometimes though. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. And it will drive you crazy. And I've, I've learned, I think now on my third single, I've learned to, uh, let it breathe for a second and not maybe watch it every single week or every single day. And maybe just, um, focus on what I can control in the moment, which is my art and as you can see, I'm still trying to make myself believe that. <laughs> and if I could just get on my bandwagon for a second, I was a programmer for 20 years. And before 1996, you could only own 12 radio stations. So when we took a song and played it, we played it. And now stations tend to put them in these overnight categories where they play from midnight to 6 a.m. for 10 to 12 weeks. So they just kind of creep up the charts now where they used to just fly up the charts and then back down the charts. And artists were able to get four or five singles off an album all the time. Um, But on the radio tour, when artists like you would come in, like Carly would come in, I, as a program director, I'd gather up all the people at the station to come in the conference room. Come on, you got to come in and check out Carly Pierce. She's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. Does it still happen that way? Absolutely. You meet, I mean, I've done hallways, um, office buildings, uh, different conference rooms, kitchens. I feel like I've probably done one in a bathroom. I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah, they bring in, sometimes it's just the PD. Sometimes it's listeners. Sometimes it's the staff. Sometimes they're coming in just to get pizza and they leave. Um, You get kind of a different version of a radio visit each time that you go. So you kind of just have to be ready to, no matter if you're selling yourself just to one person or a staff. Are you you still doing it? Do you still... 
I think you're always on radio tour. Yeah. I talked with um, John Marks today. Um, and I said, how's Carly doing on Spotify? And he said, amazing. And that he was also in Europe. Can you talk about that? The, what was the name of the, the festival you just played? Uh, in Europe, it was the C2C Music Fest. And you played in Scotland and London, right? Yeah, Glasgow, Dublin, and... Uh, Were you in Australia? London. And then I went to Australia, yeah. And, and he said the crowd response was phenomenal. Yeah, it's crazy to see um, overseas. It was my first experience over to any of those, and I was fortunate enough to be um, on the main stage every night uh, for the C2C Festival with Lady Antebellum. And it was crazy to look out and... You're label mates now. Yeah, I know, which is so crazy. Um, it's crazy to see that our music is reaching because of how accessible our music is now online. Um, how big were some of the crowds you were playing to? Thousands. I played the O2 Arena um, in London, which I think it's like twelve or 14,000. Were you there, Chris? I did not get to make that trip, uh, but I will say that we've got some incredible video footage of the entire audience at the O2 Arena singing every little thing well, back to Carly. Which, a lot of people singing it back to you when you're... Yeah, and, and just to, obviously, the way that I've, I've been my, just... Well, so well received in America, but to see that your music's reaching literally across the world is special. That's so awesome. You've been playing since you were, what, 11 years old? Yeah. I've always, always, always wanted to be a country music artist and started singing from a very young age and started singing in a bluegrass band when I was 11. And I just want the audience to know that you played Dollywood like weren't you playing like six shows a day at Dollywood or something insane like that yeah I convinced my parents to let me quit high school when I was 16 and homeschool because I saw an audition in our local newspaper for singers in the country show at Dollywood so I moved to Pigeon Forge and did six shows a day five days a week wow talk about paying your dues yeah and that's all before my 10 years in Nashville <laughs> oh but I warn you I hop around yeah um, Carly's engaged to Michael Ray <laughs> <laughs> and when is the wedding? Do we know? We know. <laughs> oh, come on. You're not going to give that to year? me tonight? We'll be married by the end of the year. How's that? I I will offer you the same thing I told Maren Morris when I interviewed her, that I, I'd be happy to spin records there. At your, her, oh, my I'll gosh. i you a nice discount. You will? I need to keep that in mind. We don't have our DJ yet. <laughs> Chris, were you in radio? I was, yeah. Uh, back when I was 17 years old, I was working at a radio station in Phoenix, Arizona called Camel Country, and I was Little Kid Camel, <laughs> which is great. There's a So what did you do as Kid Camel? Well, I will say, uh, to digress for a second, that there's a program director for Y100 in, in San Antonio. Jeff uh, Garrison. Jeff Garrison. And he was my program director at the time in Phoenix. And uh uh, I was like the the stunt boy on the morning show. So my main my main uh, gig was to hand out Krispy Kreme donuts every Wednesday. And so what he was he really wanted me, me to be named Skillet Biscuit. So he'd be like, "Come on, mate, Skillet Biscuit." And I was like, "Please, I don't want to go by Skillet Biscuit for my entire radio career." So this is at the moment when Survivor was becoming popular, and they did a tribal council for my name. And uh, thank God there was this really sweet listener in Phoenix, Arizona, that came up with Kid Camel. And I'm not a skillet biscuit, so there you go. <laughs> Thank goodness. Well, yeah. what 
what did you do back then about when I was a programmer, I used to get all the time from if I wasn't playing, say, every little thing and it was number 25 on the chart, I would have staff people coming up to me saying, how come you're not playing Carly Pierce? Does that still happen in radio? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it happens more often now than what it has before, because there's so many more mediums of exposure for artists like Carly. As you mentioned, John Marks from Spotify. And of course, we mentioned before Sirius XM. You know, there's a lot more opportunities for people to be exposed to music now, which I therefore think that that uh, feeds into some of these other tastemakers at radio. And, and the new single, Closer to You, had 1.5 million streams. I just checked it out before we started. Up 5% last week, which is amazing. And But what did it seem like the first time when you heard a song on the radio? Is there still that same? It's very romantic to hear a song on the radio, isn't it? Still even with all the other platforms. I mean, I have to tell you, yes, I'm marrying a country artist. When one of us hears our song, if we're driving down the street, it's literally like the first time. I mean, we turn it up and act like 12 year olds and it, that will never end. And I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting, but it's um, something that you dream of as a, as a little kid. And I hope that that feeling never goes away. From Do you me. remember where and when you were, when you heard Yep. I was on radio tour in Orlando um, with two of my band members and my radio rep. K92? Yep. Was that the station? And it was, uh, I heard my voice introing the song from one of the million of millions of intros I did for uh, radio tour um, for the liners and turned it up and everybody sang along and it was just very surreal. Wow. So crazy, too, because that station specifically is Michael Ray's hometown <laughs> radio station. I know. It's weird. Yeah. Is he from... Orlando? Orlando area. Oh, so you guys were, how did you meet, by the way? Oh, Lord. Were you on a show together? Um, I've known him before I ever had a record deal. Um, so I've known him for years. But yeah, we started playing radio shows together because they have different artists on those. And um, I was dating somebody else at the time and was looking at him on stage and thought, I shouldn't be thinking about you like this when I have someone that I'm dating. So oh, you was, were dating somebody at the time? Yeah. So. Uh, was yeah. he? No. So I had my radio team do some investigating and <laughs> they found out was that he. Was Chris troubleshooting that whole thing? It wasn't Chris. It was the lady on my team. Her name's Brooke. <laughs> I had to call on the lady. The only lady. And how long have you guys been together? Um, uh, About a year. How do you manage to even see each other? Because he's on the road a lot. You're on the road a lot. It seems like you're always on the road. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, it, you know, I think when you want to make somebody a priority, you find ways. And sometimes that means meeting in a city for a few hours if one of us is working in the city. Um, it means uh, having really good communication on the phone when there are weeks that you can't see each other and just prioritizing um, the moments that you do get with each other. And his, also, his hit on the chart right now, he's got a hit in the top yeah. five. One that got away. That's not... No, no. I always say that song was before me, but I'm very excited for him. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. She's decorating my car. Soon she'll be breaking my heart. Just two wild horses to be all mine. I'll be your beast of burden on borrowed time. She's gonna rip off any kind of label. How's it gonna work now? With, um, career and balance. How does that work? We are workaholics. We are. I mean, you have goals. I we know have that. goals. We are. Um, Even though you've done great, you you have goals. I want to do. I my- am just getting started. He is just getting started. Um, I think that we understand that our business is takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. And I think that when you understand completely why the other person is gone and prioritizing their career because you your heart is for the same thing. I understand his language. So I don't question him and I know what he's feeling and I know what he has to do and vice versa. Mm. I think it's the best. Oh, that's great. A little mushy, but. I know it was kind of gross. <laughs> Every little thing. Um, it debuted on our chart April 1st, 2017. And it went to number one in November, 35 weeks later. What was that, Chris, what was that whole experience like, that journey? And 35 weeks, by the way, is just, it's its an average time. Yeah, well, really, from my perspective, when you look at new artists, I would actually say it's faster than average. Oh, know? by the way, uh, Michael Ray's debut song went to number one. We're, we def- specifically weeding him out, you had to have somebody whose debut went to number one. Yeah, I mean, we both have to debut. <laughs> and just for anybody listening, a, a debut single to go to number one, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but it doesn't happen very often. So anyway, so it debuts April 1st on the chart. Yeah, 35 weeks later, we we ring the bell. And uh, again, as I kind of mentioned before, it truly was a culmination of, of all of Carly's hard work, being out on the road, creating these incredible relationships with radio, and then their belief in, in us be, being able to, through some of these platforms that, that, you, had, that you touched on earlier about, like iHeart on the Verge, and you, you, we had mentioned the the Cox Media Group platform and the Cumulus platform. Mm-hmm. Um, what's incredible about that, because as you had mentioned, um, well, you know, back, back since the 1996 Telecommunications Act, where now there's obviously, you know, stations owned by mega conglomerates and they start those records out in overnights. It just takes longer for the life cycle of the single um, to get up the chart. So with these initiatives, it helped us push through overnight spins to get daytime airplay, which allowed us to increase familiarity faster, which allowed us to increase that positive research metric, which obviously then inspired greater airplay. What Chris does is, I mean, they're tenacious. Like at what they do. Right now for He's a like ninja. <laughs> um, before, you know, I was in radio a long time before cell phones, and somehow guys like Chris would get a hold of you. And say, I need you to put this in heavy. Like, we're going for number one this week. And now it's just a lot trickier with all the, the syndication you have to juggle and jockey, isn't it? Yeah, syndication really isn't the but hardest But it hits part. a hit. 
a hit's a hit, but there truly are so many different metrics that people can perceive, uh, however manner that they want to. And, and I mean, radio research, of course, is one of them. And, and, and that in itself, uh, just to explain it to the audience out there, a, a call out specifically is when uh, uh, you, you'll get a, a phone call, maybe while you're at dinner, and you'll be played a seven to 13 second hook of a song. So think about that. You have to decide within seven to 13 seconds whether you love it, like it, it's okay, you don't like it. I never believed in that whole deal. What's interesting about it, and I I think that there's a lot of value to it for sure. But um, as busy as people are today, like you're gonna play seven seconds. Oh, totally. But that's what's interesting about it is is because again, it's it's one more tool to have in your tool belt as you architect your radio station. But at the same time, out of the 150 stations that report to the Billboard chart, like you mentioned earlier. Um, some realize that there's multiple different metrics that they should program their station and some don't, some will just say it's testing or it's not testing. So it's, um, it's tricky, but it's fun. And every little thing, obviously tested through the roof. It did. I remember talking to Johnny Chang in Houston before the song went to number one, Johnny's a program director of KKBQ. One of the, he, thank God he's one of the gatekeepers who really believes in stuff and he'll play it and play it a good amount. And, and I think I had an interview set up with you, or I can't remember really. I was talking to him on the phone, and I said, how's the song doing? They're going to be going for number one soon. And he said, it's a monster. It's researching through the roof. So that's always a key. When so, And he's, he's a real scientist of the research, knows how to use it. I mean, back when I was in radio, if a consultant said, no, nah, I don't think you should play this, we'd be like, okay, thank you. And then we play it anyway. You know, um, and our job was all geared. I always thought like the ratings, if I'm going to go down with the ship, then I'm going to be responsible for what I play, not the consultant. But it's not really like that anymore. There's group programmers and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, every little thing goes to number one, uh, November of 2017, chart dated November 25th, 2017. And that was the first debut song by a woman to go to number one. Uh, since Kelsey Ballerini, um, two years before. Um, and, and that was huge. And before Kelsey, Love Me Like You Mean It, before that song went to number one, it was 2006, Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood um, for a female artist to go to number one, an unaccompanied woman. Which, you know... Some could say that there was another single release prior to Jesus Take the Wheel, but uh, I, will, I will digress. But I do. I love that statistic that Carly is one in three artists in the past 12 years to have her debut single go number one. I think it's just such a testament to her art. And, and since um, your single went to number one, there's only been a couple of others. Uh, Legends was the last unaccompanied woman to be at number one on our chart. Uh, and that's a couple of years ago. Um, we've had... Um, Drowns the Whiskey, Miranda Lambert featured on the Jason Aldean song, number one for a couple of weeks, and meant to be B.B. Rexa, uh, but not solo. And I did a story uh, a few months ago about our top 20 at Billboard not having any women in the top 20 at all um, for the first time in the history of the chart. Not a group, not a duo, not a feature None. And I just don't think that it's not cool. Um, There's tremendous female artists out there. How do you champion other women? I think that 
I have been really fortunate to have women champion me. Um, Can you name a couple that we might know? Sure. Uh, even before I had a record deal, Lucy Hale, who's a Pretty Little Liar star, she's an actress. She was one of the very first. I was her backup singer. She let her fans be aware of me and helped to build my presence on social media and posted about me when I needed her help because we all know what posts do. Um, Kelsey Ballerini was a huge supporter of mine. Um, took me out on the road before I had a single on the radio. Um, has always been a huge champion. Continues to just make me smile in That's the way nice. that she talks about me. Um, Marin Morris, Reba McIntyre, <laughs> when every little thing came out, I got a Twitter notification that Reba tweeted about my song, and I got an Instagram notification that she had posted a photo of my song on CMT. Um, so just seeing the way that they have supported me, I think it's very important to me because I know it's hard to be a female. Um, I think it's hard to be an artist in general, um, and it's our duty to build each other up, not tear each other down. And I think that there's room for all of us. And I fell in love with the nineties country ladies and there was plenty of them and they ruled the, they ruled the radio. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm really proud to be a part of this class that I think is changing. It's changing what I moved to town scene, which was no females. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Um, the, the first album debuted at number four on our top country album chart, which is a huge debut for a first album. You wrote eight of the 13 songs, and I hear you're working on your second album now? Yeah, really hard. When's that coming out? Date, please. I actually don't have a date for that. Um, it'll be later this year at some point. Um, I'm really excited about it. Obviously, a lot has happened, and I feel like more than ever, I know my place in this genre, and I know where I want to go, and I know that... I'm just more settled than I was on my first record. I think I was, I had written so many of those songs three, four, five years prior as I was searching to find a place for my music and searching for myself. Um, and I don't feel like I'm doing that anymore. There's a time that's got to wait for us just outside of town. Troy Virgis and um, can't think of the last guy's name. I wrote it. You wrote it? Chris and I. Yeah, that was definitely. So you're just basically, you don't have to write the stuff. You're no. just looking for the best song. I, again, you'll hear me reference the, the late 90s and early 2000s women so much, but Reba and Trisha and Faith, they built their careers on songs they didn't write. They picked the best song. And sometimes my song is the best song for that part of my album or that emotion. Um, and sometimes it's not. And for me, this was better. This was a better articulation of this emotion for me. It was exactly I can't wait to what hear I wanted it. to say. The new album. Well, well the 13 songs, will, will you have as many cuts on it? <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be relatively similar as far as what I wrote and what I didn't. Here, here's one thing that, um, I just have an opinion about. Um, 
why <laughs> why do I always think when an artist will put out seven songs and then drop the album and then they're surprised that doesn't do that great the album debut um, but they put out all that music ahead of time um, I always think like either put out a bunch of songs or put out maybe one and then or two and then the album do you still believe in the the album as a piece of work how do you feel about that whole thing or do you, are you just one of these people who think just put out a bunch of songs I mean of course I believe in the album just because that's how I grew up and that's how I I loved going at midnight to the media play or FYE and buying Tower. Yes. Are you too young to remember? But I know, I know, um, I don't know. That's just, and reading the liner notes and seeing the the images and all of those things. So yes, I believe, yeah, I believe in that. Um, I, I am blessed that I'm making a second album. Um, but I think people are consuming music so quickly. So I think that people are taking alternative routes to how they're rolling out albums. And I think, Right now, more than ever, anything goes. What do you think, Chris? I mean, actually, Carly hit it spot on. You know, the the taste of preferences of consumers are evolving at such a fast rate, and there's so much noise in the world right now. And to cut through and to make a substantial impact is, is I think, you have to be more strategic now than ever before. So I think that you're seeing the business model, um, you know, as it pertains to the rollout of, of instant grat tracks. Uh, in, you know, prior to the to the release of an album, you know, people of course have the opportunity to pre-order the album and, and, right. and get that single immediately. So I think it's just changing, and, and we're all looking at what that next business model is. Yeah, you know, um, I'm a big believer in the album. Do you remember the first album you bought, Carly? Um, myself was the woman in me, Shania Twain. Nice, Chris. The first country album? No. Album. We don't have barriers anymore. Probably, uh, I probably, well, it definitely was a country album. It's Garth Brooks, No Fences. You were in the country when you were young. Yeah, yeah. My brother, uh, who was eight years older, is eight years older than I am. Sounded horrible and morbid. Yeah, he's done fantastic. Everybody Um, was a country singer. So I was ten. He was Mm. eighteen, and he had an independent record deal with a little label here in Nashville called Comstock. And so I just like absolutely worshipped him. And so he got me into country music at a really young age, and that's part of the reason why I went to go work for a country radio station in Phoenix. I I teach a little bit, and it gives me faith in young people when I'll, there's always one old soul in the class, a 19 year old who goes out on the weekend and buys old Led Zeppelin albums at flea markets. And like, I tell, you know, tell them I, I love you. You know, like I always say, how can you, and this might not be true, but I'll say, invest in it, go buy some music. I, I just don't know if you're not buying it, how it could, does it still mean as much to you if you're not buying it? Like buy the thing. So all you people here, go buy an album yeah. this week. Um, buy one for your friends, too. Yeah. A Carly Pierce album, specifically. Mine. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Carly has played the Grand Ole Opry how many times? 60? Over 60. I'm in the 60s somewhere. You guys, Has anybody here been to the Opry? The yeah. Ryman? Have you played the Opry at the Ryman, too? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, why is it so important to you? To me, it's the heartbeat of country music, and uh, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to play there. I think that preserving what the state, preserving the stage that started our genre, is so important. And for me, I have really no aspirations of moving outside of our genre. I want to be one of the females 
of country music. That's so nice. And I think that carrying the torch in the way that I feel so many women have at the Opry, most recently I would say Carrie Underwood, um, just mm-hmm. really building her brand and and really putting time and, and energy into the Grand Ole Opry and making sure that it, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, it still has the same um, meaning and people understand what that is and what that means. It's not just a stage. Have you played a, a show at the Ryman, a standalone show? No. Oh, that would be awesome. Not yet. Make it happen, Chris. That's on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Second album, do the yeah. whole thing at the Ryman. That would be awesome. I mean, she's played shows for pretty much everybody else. Like she's been, <laughs> she's been on tour with Blake Shelton, Thomas Rhett, Rascal Flatts. Uh, I'm missing somebody. Luke Bryan. <laughs> oh, it's just stadium dates. And she's uh, about ready to embark on a tour with Jason Aldean and Kane Brown on May 4th. So it's, nice. it's, been, it's pretty incredible. I was just about to ask you your touring plans for 2019, so... Gearing up. Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> going to be out all summer and fall on the Ride All Night Tour with Jason Aldean and Kane. That's a great bill. I know, I'm excited. So you start May... 3rd or 4th, yeah. 4th. Yeah. yeah. How many cities were you hit? Do you know? A lot. And then Over somewhere 30. in that time, I would imagine the album will come out. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in there. Some. I sometime. can't remember. You said the day before, but I can't remember. I said uh, summer, fall, winter, something. Are, are you eyeballing some stuff for the next single already? or? You yeah, I think, I mean, I think there are definitely things on my album that are raising their hand um, that I think are special and that I think tell an- another story that is important. Mm, great. I can't wait to hear it. I've been a big fan of yours since since the first song came out. It was great to see it fly up the charts, and um, I think I think closer to you is doing great. It's just a matter of getting Chris pushing through that. Yeah, yeah. just got to get it get it through. But obviously, you know, we've got some incredible conversions on the board right now. And I, I say that not to just sound like a promo guy, but to, <laughs> the, to mention the fact that with daytime exposure again, like it's a it's going to be a rocket ship. But we've had a lot of success for the past couple of weeks, so we're we're pumped. When you hear somebody like John say it's killing it on Spotify and you see the streaming numbers, how do, um, not talking about this song specifically, but just what, what's the holdup with programmers when they talk to you? They only have so many slots? Yeah, the majority of country radio stations play between 15 and 20 songs during the day. So again, it goes back to what you had mentioned to where uh, it's, it's evolved to the point to where music is is now positioned initially between midnight and six in the morning. How many people here listen to the radio at midnight and six in the morning? Anybody? Not one. Interesting. Um, I'm not. <laughs> so I do because I like to hear our music a lot. I got my first radio gig between doing the midnight oh to six. Goodness. That's when you broke in. That's when, that's what I was, you know, that was the sure. way you got started as a disc jockey was getting the midnight to six shift. Sure. But, and again, what's interesting about the chart that, that you, you curate, being a, uh, an audience-based chart, which I do believe is country is the only audience-based chart out of all the Billboard charts. No, I, I also do the Christian chart, and that's audience-based. Oh, okay. Uh, so what's interesting about that is, of course, as you know, the audience impressions in the middle of the night are 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 so, you know, dismal compared to um, a, a good primetime spend between, you know, right. Three and five PM. We believe ours is harder to manipulate. Um, it is, and, and, <laughs> and I'll have labels tell me that it's harder to work your chart. Um, that frustrates them. But 
you know, it's, it is what it is, right? And- it's, it's great. I mean, just to, to chime in on that, I mean, it's, it's the difference in an average quarter hour, you know, in Los Angeles. If her, if your, her song is played at, at 4.30 PM, uh, you know, on, on last Thursday, and then it plays at 2.30 on this Thursday, you know, we're going to lose audience impressions from that. Um, and that's not a negative thing. It's, it's, as you mentioned, it's the beauty of your chart. So a hit's a hit and we're just, uh, taking it all the way. So it's fun. And, and we'd rather not have any more weeks with no women in the top 20. I mean, that's not a good, no, none of and, that. and I talked to a lot of radio people that when, when I wrote that story and, um, only one would give a quote for it. Um, but all of them said, oh my God, it is not good optics. Is it? Um, looks really bad. And I said, yeah, it looks bad. Um, because there's just so many talented women out there, you know? So, uh, you know, Johnny Chang said, he gave me a great quote about we should, something like we should all be ashamed or something like that, um, that week. But, you know, things are changing and I feel good about, you know, the women cutting records and your stuff. And what do you think? I think it's an exciting time. Like I said, I think I'm able to see the growth over the last 10 years of living here. And um, I think the women in our format, the way that they did in the 90s, when they hit, they hit big. Um, You're seeing amazing things with Kelsey and Marin. And um, I just think it's a good time. And I think it's only going to get better. Casey, obviously, everything that she just did at the Grammys. um, I just think it's a good it's a good time to be a woman. Chris, what do you think before we wrap up here? I mean, it is a great time as, as what Carly mentioned. And I'm just proud personally to represent an artist like Carly, who is the tip of the spear of, of, of making that positive change. You know, we'll be in the top 20 soon, Jim, I promise. What, what, um, what are you listening to right now? Any genre that's making you happy? What are you listening to? Oh my. Are you on a bus a lot? Are you travel by bus? I do. Um, I mean, I genuinely listen to a lot of top 40 country mm-hmm. just because um, I'm a huge Alison Krauss fan. That's always on. Um, and I really love outside of country right now, Lynn and Stella. She's mm-hmm. so good. I just heard somebody yell from the audience. <laughs> she has what a pure, I like pure voices and that girl can sing. Don't you think um, sometimes new artists will ask me to listen to stuff and I'd be like, I'm I just, you know, it's just an opinion. You really don't need it. But a lot of times I'll say to them, like, keep it sparse. You know, like one artist gave me this thing to listen to and the production, her voice, her voice was great, but the, the guitar solo sounded like they came out of a factory. You know, like they're buying them for a buck for 10 guitar solos or whatever. And I just find like just, I don't know if you guys agree with me or sometimes it's a little overproduced, some of this stuff. Look at my song, Every Little Thing. There's nothing to that production. It's so, so sparse. Of I feel that way. It's gorgeous because Let it's it so breathe. sparse. Yeah, sometimes, I don't know, less is more. Exactly. Chris, what's the last thing you listened to that you really liked? You know, I listen to music 24 hours a day. Seriously, uh, there's always a radio playing in, in my house or in my office. Um, so I consume a ton of country music, but I also love Lauren Daigle. Um, there's a new pop artist, Fletcher, that I've become a big fan of. Uh, there's just, I mean, really everything. I, I truly do. Just go Lauren Daigle is amazing. I've yeah. done a podcast with her and she's, oh, you're going to play something for us. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Speaking of, I was going to say that Lauren Daigle, I just said, hey, uh, sing a few lines from your song as you just start wailing a cappella during the podcast. You don't have to do that, but um, but um, she just played the Ryman, and I think she's kind of crossing over from Christian to pop now, um, but she's doing phenomenally. Yeah. So. Um, well, thank you so much for coming, and she's going to play something in a second, but everybody, Carly Pierce. And Big Machine Records Vice President of Promotion, Chris Lamb. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you. Okay, here I go. Sent that you left on my pillow. The sound of your heartbeat with mine The look in your eyes like a window And the taste of your kiss soaked in wine Every little thing I remember every little Forgot what you told me Because you left my heart on the floor And baby your ghost still haunts me But I don't want to sleep with him no more Every little thing I remember every little thing The high, the hurt, the shine, the sting Every little thing Oh, I remember every little thing The high, the hurt, the shine, the sting Every little thing Is the only healer Well God I hope that isn't right Cause right now I die Do not remember Every little thing I remember Every little thing The high The hurt The shine The sting Every little thing Oh I Great, wasn't it? Carly Pierce, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 